0: Welcome to the first episodes of Cruise Talks. I'm your host Fidel Cruz, co-founder of the cruise Family Creations. Today I'll be introducing myself, and this will be like episode one of the Cruise Talks, uh, the military and other topics. I'll just be going over just myself, introducing myself, uh, just giving myself a little background for those who don't know me. Uh, my name is Fidel Cruz. Uh, I was born and raised in New York City. I've lived and resided in uh, San Diego. I've lived in Hawaii. I'm currently in Germany. I've just lived in multiple different places uh, due to being in the military. Uh, My military service includes, uh, I am a staff sergeant now, promotable, which is basically saying that I'm ready for the next rank. But since I'm deciding to move away and leave the military, basically it's going to be just leaving the military after 10 years served in hawaii served in fort riley kansas or hawaiian schofield barracks and tower barracks here in grafenwehr uh, germany and those are the three duty stations i was lucky enough to i guess uh pick and 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 live in my time in service has been doing chemical specialist which basically does chemical biological radiological nuclear deterrence uh, advising uh, training uh or whatnot uh but most of the time i just do paperwork to be honest with you uh most of the time uh with our job series uh we don't really end up doing our job unless we're in the chemical unit but that'll be something that i'll explain down the road and just to go into the topic of just like uh retention which is a big topic now going on within the military uh uh just to give a back brief and just give people like the information as to how i came into the military why i came into the military stuff like that so just uh let's get it started okay so why did i join the military a lot of people have different views uh, different reasons different motivations uh some it's a family tradition for others it's something that they always wanted to do something that they get inspired to do for me it was more of a situation where uh, i just needed to find employment that's the way of putting it uh basically i used to work as a sales manager and once i was a sales manager uh Basically, at a storage deluxe, it was a, a storage facility. We worked there, and then they ended up selling off the company to another another uh, storage um, industry name. And then from there, uh, there was a couple of things that changed the uh, work environment, stuff like that, and it just wasn't for me. So uh, I lost the job, uh, but then I still had uh, responsibilities. I still am my father of the of my oldest um and i needed to have a job in some sort of employment so i figured the one thing that i knew i wasn't gonna lose was the military i've had previous friends that had joined before uh so i figured um let me give it a shot so my thing was it was like hey what can i do to enlist as soon as possible so enlisting came down to basically which one, which branch can ship me out the quickest. I wasn't really interested in the Navy uh, due to the fact that I wasn't that great of a swimmer then. I'm a better swimmer now, but uh, definitely I'm not good at treading water. So like floating and stuff like that is like, I'm like a rock. I just sink directly to the bottom. So kind of got me wary about joining the Navy. Uh, So I decided to go away from that. I went to the Air Force, talked to the Air Force recruiter, which was what I should have done, and just waited. But things happen for a reason, I guess. But yeah, I went there, went to the Air Force. The Air Force was like, like, yeah, we can ship you out in like a year and a half to two years. And I'm like, that's a long time for me to wait. I'm going to probably end up in trouble or something in that case if I have to wait that long. Uh, Then I went to the Army. The Marines, I was not going to join because of uh, my first marriage. She was a former, uh, a Marine, because they are always Marines, as they like to put it. Yeah, so that didn't work out well. So I seen that environment, which wasn't probably any different than the Army was. But I decided, let's go with the Army. Uh, the Army, I went. And it's funny, the funny story about being with the process is, like, basically, you have to show it to a recruiting station. You show your interest and stuff like that. Um, They make sure that you want to continue to come back. Uh, they want to make sure that you're not just going to up and leave and decide to, you know what, uh yeah, I'm interested but not the same my life style or my my choice in uh path right now. So they make sure you keep coming back and it's funny cuz I went to the recruiting station, it was a recruiting station on 120, was it 125th or 116th? I can't remember what street it was on. I believe it was on 125th. And we went and, uh, you know, there was a couple of people that were in the process and it was just like they had us as a select group because it was that one recruiter that we had, Sarn Sutton, which he's still, he's still around. I've, I've seen him. He's retired now. But um, yeah, so we were just there. You go through the motions or so basically they they do like an assessment. They want to see how many push-ups you can do in a minute, how much you can run in a minute, uh, sit-ups you can do in a minute. So they do those assessments. So it was like, it was like it dawned on me because i've always been athletical you know always been a, a playing basketball baseball any kind of sport and stuff so i was always in good shape but i've never I, like i was always a sprinter i was fast as a sprinter i never was a big uh long distance runner so when it was just like oh you got to run two miles i was just like okay i should be able to do two miles it was like i played basketball for hours on end uh but it's different because it's like spurts here and there you get a breather uh, with running longer distances, it's like you're just running, uh, which wasn't very motivating, I'll say. It still isn't motivating to this day, but it's something, you know, you do. And it was just like you did those assessments and I would just go because uh, I live by uh, not too far from Yankee Stadium. So basically I would leave, I would run from my house all the way to Yankee Stadium and back. And that was like a two mile distance and it had like a hill, uphill, crossing the bridge and stuff like that. So it helped me and it, and it helped me work uh, past that to make me like uh, improve a bit. I never really got good at it at that point because uh, I was always uh, stuck in my head, like trying to do this two mile run. And I was just like, yeah, I got this, I got this. And I would like, lose motivation. I guess you 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 lose track of what you're focusing on at times, or at least I did like in that moment because, you know, life was still ongoing and situations and stuff. So it makes it difficult uh, to like concentrate. But you, you set that goal and I was just like, you know what? I need to run these two miles. So at the end of that, I did eventually end up doing that. Uh, But we ended up going to this recruiting station. And I say we because it's funny because I am tied for first when it comes to joining the military. And I didn't realize I was running for the same position or the same uh, title uh, until I was at that recruiting station. So at the recruiting station, we had... um, my cousin which was uh there basically throughout the whole process and everything uh we would meet up because we had certain days you had to show up and they would do assessments or just like talk and try to introduce you to like the the lingo the rank structure and all that stuff so uh it came down to one point where it was like maybe you were like a couple of weeks from um shipping out to MEPS to go do that stuff you did that I did the ASVAP and all that uh got pretty good scores GT score of 120 which is basically uh I forget what the GT stands for. I've always forgotten. Uh, But basically, that's the criteria that they show that allows you to show that you can um, learn different aspects and different jobs. Uh, And basically, if you have anything over a 110, it opens up the realm of any job in the military for you to pick from. The examination isn't too hard, so you just go about it. But you go from there, and then uh, we're in the same recruiting station, all that. And uh, it gets to a point where I go home, and my mom is like, hey... um, you know, your cousin, uh, Foster. I was like, yeah, he's joining the army. And I'm like, hold on. I was like, this guy looks like he looked like he looked familiar from the get. I hadn't seen him in who knows, maybe like close to like eight, nine years the last time I had seen him. So I didn't know that was him. So we go and my mom is explaining to him like, yeah, he's joining this, this and that. And I'm like, uh, so then the next time we go to the recruiting station, we're like, oh, you, you you're my cousin. <laughs> so it was funny because the recruiter was just like, hold on. Y'all mean to tell me y'all been here this whole time and y'all had no idea y'all were cousins? And we were like, no. we, we I hadn't seen him in years. He hadn't seen me in years. So it was like we looked familiar to each other, but we didn't. But it's just like, hey, you're in the neighborhood. You're walking down the street. You might see somebody that looks like, yeah, I've seen him before. But we did it like that. So then uh, from there, they take you to... Um, The map station, Uh, you go to your map station, and from there, it's a different, uh, it's like, that's when you know it's like real, basically, because they start in-processing you, you sign up, you raise your hand, you pledge, and you start noticing that it's a bit realer, and then from there, that day, you have your, you have your bag packed, you have your stuff, and then you get on the bus, you end up on that bus, uh, and it's a decent bus ride to get to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and you just on the bus and you see it and you go. You're on the bus and um you get there and you realize that it's like I'm really joining the army. <laughs> it's just like you really, I'm really doing this. Uh and then it's like you get there and the first three days you don't get to sleep. Uh most people don't understand that. It was like if you do sleep, you got lucky and you got you you like dozed off for a bit and you're able to get maybe like five, but they don't let you sleep. You're awake. For most of, like, I believe it was three days. At least that's what it felt. It felt like that. And I believe it was three days, but they don't let you sleep because they in-process you. They get you all your stuff. You go, uniforms, you're waiting, you're sitting. And me and my cousin, we ended up on the same bus. We thought we were going to be in the same, like, company training. But he ended up going to a different company i ended up in another uh and we did that and it's like you're in basic training now you get your uniforms you get all that stuff and then from there you get you get assigned to your drill sergeant so you get your duffel bags and you got to get your duffel bags and uh it wasn't too hectic there's there's if you can see there's a bunch of like like shock attack, which they don't do anymore. They've changed that. They they don't have people like screaming. They still scream at people, but not the same. The military has changed in the 10 years I've been in. Uh, Just the stories of how different it was because like having cell phones, people have cell phones now. I never had a cell phone. I never had, well, cell phones weren't even that big at that point, but there was only two phone calls I got while I was there. And the first one was basically like letting my family know, hey, I'm good, I'm in basic training. And then they took my phone away and then the second one was when i called basically to let my family know where i was at but that's a whole different situation within itself there which i'll get to that part like while i was in basic uh so yeah um i was one of the older uh people when i joined i was 27 when i joined Uh, there was a couple of older uh People within the within the group also. Um, you got switched off until you had your company, Bravo Company, uh three thirteen, uh infantry battalion, which I didn't wasn't gonna be infantry, but it's just like that was the name of the company and that's how they go to be known that way. And it was four different platoons. Uh I had two drill sergeants. The drill sergeants were drill sergeant brantley and drill sergeant Nazardine. To this day, two of the best NCOs I ever had and I i guess you could say he tried to emulate what they taught me in that little brief two-month period of how to be a person that cares and takes care of their soldiers um and you see the difference in tutelage basically from what you got from them and if a lot of people did that they went forward um i also say that from a lot of the people that are uh that i joined with in the military a lot of them ain't in the military anymore which is not surprising but surprising because a lot of it's just like it, you find it pretty crazy the fact that it's like you are one of like the long-standing ones that 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 stayed around uh was I gonna do 20 years yeah the pro- the thought process was there but didn't happen with uh basic training it was basically uh you had um it was a way to like break people down but build them up at the same time, I guess is the best way of explaining it. Uh, Due to the fact that it's like, you're trying to be taught how to be a soldier. Um, Drill sergeants are some of the toughest jobs that the military does have to offer uh, because these people don't really get time to themselves. Uh, Most of the time they're up at like four in the morning, waking our asses up, and then they go back home like at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, eight o'clock. So they maybe get like, five six hours and most of the time that's just to sleep they don't really have that time uh the only time they do have is like they'll pull a 24-hour shift which is like they'll be on staff duty they call it or cq which is charge of quarters which they'll be in charge of just making sure nothing crazy happens and stuff like that and then they usually get a 24 day uh hour period the next day off and then they're back at work the next the following morning so you get that depending on how many days a week they had it um sometimes they have like once a week twice a week, uh, depending how they had it, but they would try to give them like that break so that they weren't working every day. But it is still a stressful job because you're dealing with civilians. You're dealing with people that have never, don't know what the army is, don't know what army structure is, don't know the lingo, don't know the rank. Uh, some people have never had uh, people to instruct them. Some people didn't know like, those people in basic training that you ran into, That it was just like, some people didn't know how to shave. Some people didn't know how to mop a floor, sweep, do laundry. Some people didn't like to shower, which that that alone, I think it explains it in itself. And some people just like hygiene wise, they didn't know what they were doing. It was just like, it was a very uh, eye opening, uh, basically um, feeling and thought process. Just being able to see all that stuff, like just people from literally all over the country, And some from other countries that were uh, getting their naturalization uh, to become residents of the United States. Uh, And you can tell the difference. uh, And you've seen like the people, like you literally have people from all over the country that would be at this location. And you had people that was just like, you know, had the cultural differences, society differences, just upbringing was different. Uh, Some people were aware of, I guess, different races. Some were not. Uh, some came from communities that it was like a mostly white community uh, and they maybe had like one or two black people there. Uh, some it was just like communities that it was just like nothing but black people, a couple white people here and there. Uh, Spanish communities where it's mixed. Uh, like basically each ethnic group had their own thing where it was just like they weren't used to that they weren't used to having such a diverse crowd Uh, and i think one thing uh uh being born and raised in new york city i think helped with the fact that it's just like yeah i was able to see that and it was just like it wasn't a new experience for me especially since i joined a bit older but you have kids and i I call them kids because sometimes i'll call them my kids uh because they were like 17 and 18 year old that was a 27 year old uh, so I had experienced life. I had gone through stuff. Was through the dark times. Went through the good times. And a lot of these kids were just like kids. They didn't know how life operated, really. It was just like kids. So it's like you get split up into these four platoons. And you have certain platoons that are differentiated. And it seems like they, the way they break it down. I was just like, looking back now. It was like the the platoons were separated by like knuckleheads. And when I say knuckleheads, it's like uh, the ability to like listen and the inability to listen because it it seemed like the people that didn't want to listen were in certain platoons and then the people that were more like how would you say it i I don't even know how to put it more understanding i guess you could say of what what the situation is and what they were doing that's what it is but yeah that was a moment that it was just like you know what um i can't really i can't really put it into words because it's just like it's like you have to be there kind of thing it's it's certain experiences you could talk about and you go through basic training you see things you do things and some things it's just like you just had to be there to experience it just having uh these um drill sergeants with their with their hat and it's just like them just commanding power and authority just without you realizing that they were commanding that authority uh just because you were like scared shitless of them uh you you didn't know what to expect it was just like certain times it just happened that they would like discipline you just because they want to discipline you it was like you know what we're gonna smoke the dog shit out of you and what i mean uh smoke the dog shit out of you is basically uh physical training so basically push-ups sit-ups you have different exercises that we do um and it would be There'd be a variety of those that would be used in multiple sessions or in the same session. And uh, they would just do that. And it would just be like, you know what? I woke up in a bad mood today. Half right. <laughs> you go turn at the angle, position of attention, move, front leaning rest position, move, which is the push-up position. And then they just made you do push-ups till you didn't feel your arms. Uh, you do come out a lot stronger because I, I will say that was one of the times I was the most physically fit I will say um cuz it depends on how you take it and it's basically like your mentality uh when you're there you 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 do think about it and you had the i made a mistake <laughs> moment uh when you're doing it you have that i made a mistake what the fuck did i get myself into should i have done this why am i here why did i decide to do this and you have that uh you just have that moment. And I believe everybody when they join has that moment. Cause uh in basic training, it's like you're not used to this. Um, you're not used to having somebody in your face, uh, or somebody yelling at you like that, or you being told what to do, when you gotta do it. Hey, you move here, take pick like it's it's a different environment, but you have different things that you do um, there and you build friendships that last a good amount of time because I still have a bunch of tons of the people that I went to basic training with that I still have them on Facebook or you know it's not usually like a long conversation but sometimes it'll be like hey what's up man or somebody posts a picture of like the platoon or something like that because I know I've done that a couple of times and people are like man where'd you get that picture uh and I have that picture I actually have it in my room and I have it like framed up and that's something that I just have there but you go through different training. Uh, most of the, the biggest problem you have is sleep. Really, it's like you you falling asleep because either you dehydrated. Which hey, take a knee, drink water. Uh, you'll hear that probably a bunch of times throughout this podcast because it would just be like, hey, take a knee, drink water. You falling asleep? Drink more water. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> it's like you don't. like you don't understand it. And then it does. It does kind of make sense because the thing is, is like they know you're dehydrated the thing is is you're physically exerting yourself more than usual you're up more than usual you're doing a lot more than you usually do so when you're dehydrated your body just gets tired so literally it'd be like you'd be in class and you're just dozing and dozing cruise I was like, oh, yes your son." and then you'd be like half right you're like oh shit <laughs> thank you stop pushing so it was uh, it was like that so it made that it made you try to learn discipline and stuff because it would tell you hey if you fall asleep stand up uh, basically like, hey, avoid yourself falling asleep. Because sometimes... You just couldn't control it because you were so tired. And then they had uh what they call fire guard, which to this day I still don't understand it, but it's it was a headache. But basically what happens is is you you're you're living in an open bay. So our bay was all guys, open bay. Um there was about maybe like thirty of us in, in, in this bay and we're there, but somebody has to pull guard on like the door, on the front door, back door, making sure nobody tries to leave, nobody tries to exit, and then the... um Drill sergeants would be either downstairs or in the office as a staff duty, making sure nothing happens. So in case somebody tries to hurt themselves or tries to hurt someone else or something like that, they would be on call basically for those 24 hours while they were there. But you had people within the bay because the bay doors would be locked. So there was no getting out of those bay doors. You would have you it would be locked and you would have people just watching it. So the shifts were like every sometimes it was like every two hours or something like that. Uh depending on how to do it, sometimes it was like every hour. So it was like they made it so that you wouldn't get consistent sleep. Cause you were like, hey, it's your turn on fireglass. So you literally go, uh if you see videos of people, it's just like uh days in basic training, like well, they're having a they're having a great dream and then it's just a flashlight in their face, like, hey bruh. It's your turn. And you're like, well, where am I? I was like, oh, shit, I'm in basic training. And then you're like, oh, damn. And then you realize that and then you're just like, OK, I guess it's my turn to watch. So you do that. um, But you learn a lot from the different drill sergeants because each drill sergeant was different. All of them were different. Um, For me, I would say I got lucky. I didn't get smoked. Those two times I got smoked uh, by my drill sergeants. And one of them was because he was like disappointed and angry at the fact that we didn't complete something that you usually complete uh it's called uh nick at night uh for those who don't know what that is nick at night is basically it's like a simulation of you crawling under gunfire so basically you hear the gunfire overhead and you hear it going off and you're basically crawling through sand all the way from one end to the other with your gear and stuff um, and he was highly disappointed cause our platoon was the first platoon. He said he ever had to deal with it, that they actually turned the lights on. So basically this is pitch black environment. You can't really see in front of you that well, literally the whole purpose is, Hey, get over this mound and crawl all the way over till you get to the end. And it got to the point where somebody was just like, I, I don't know if they got stuck or they were just like too like flustered that they couldn't go any further and they just stayed there. So they had to turn on the lights for the person to actually complete the course, um, which I think very upset him. And he just like smoked the dog shit out of us. Like he was so upset that most of the time they will tell you, like, take off your gear. You know, you have your IOTV, which is like your plates. You got plates in the front and the back. You have your your flick, which usually has like gear, like magazines and stuff like that. Your uh, water canteen. Uh, and you have that. And then from there, it's just like um, he just smoked the dog shit out of people. We we were there for like a good 20 minutes after the whole thing. And he was just like the half jack pushups. ups sit-ups everything and some people got the some people got their gear off some didn't there was one that was like complaining and crying most of the time because his uh zipper did not work he got stuck so while everybody was able to like while they were working out end up stripping down and throwing something off he did all of that with it on and he could not get out of it so that's up for him Interesting, but it, it sucked for him. But there was, there was many experiences with those drill sergeants. The uh, drill sergeants are very, they're, they're put in that position for a reason. Some of them are not all that great, but you still learn, um, the ones that are the best ones are the ones that actually care to try to teach you how to become a soldier. And I think I lucked out with those two, cause those two helped lead me in a way to become a better soldier and a better leader myself, just because of the way they went about things um they explained it to you and they told you like hey i can smoke you all i want all that does is make you stronger what i need you to be able to do is think for yourself be analytical be observant be able to teach and just be smarter i don't need you to be stronger because anybody can get stronger i need you to be able to think for yourself which is it's it's confusing at the same time because the military has that structure whereas hey you're being told what you have to do and stuff like that all uh, the times have changed it's not as oh, it's not it's not like it used to be it's changed a lot it's more um people are more some are open-minded some are still closed-minded but the attitude towards things has changed because you know policies and the regulations that we have have changed when it comes to like smoking people which you can't do anymore because that was a way of corrective training uh where they would just smoke the dog shit out of you um one of the drill sergeants i forget what it was somebody did and we ended up low crawling or no crawling three or five second rushes in a like sand pit the sand pit had rocks not like large rocks, but it's like when you do three to five-second rushes, it's literally they see you, you're up. They don't see you. <laughs> what is it? Uh, they don't see you, you're up. They see you, you're down. So basically for three seconds, you're up and you're running forward. Up, they see you, you dropping down, like throwing yourself down, and you're waiting. Up again, three seconds. Run, drop down, two seconds. And you keep on doing that. Um. And he had us doing that back and forth. Um. People ended up with like bloody elbows bloody knees like scratches on their legs and all that stuff because it was it sucked and he felt he actually felt bad afterwards because he saw like people were like scratched up people had like blood going through the uniform and stuff like that so he was he was he actually felt remorse for doing that but it was like i'm gonna teach y'all a lesson and the other one uh basically the other time that we got like smoked the dog shit out of uh was our one of the drill sergeants so if y'all don't know when you go through basic training and you go into the cafeteria you're basically standing back to back with somebody like you're right on top of them basically which they used to say like nut the butt can't say that anymore because that's a very uh derogatory uh way of going about it but that's how they would call it basically and you were literally like back to back with people like just waiting on the line so when you're on this line you're basically at the position of attention when you're in a position of attention, you're not supposed to speak. So basically all these people were lined up in the cafeteria waiting to get to the place to eat a tray, uh, and you would um, have to stand quietly. So usually what they would do is is uh, whoever was like the last couple of people, um, they would grab them, and those would be the servers. So whoever was at the back who was like, hey, you all going to be the servers, they would send them all the way to the front, and those were the people that would serve the soldiers food and stuff like that. Uh, which usually allowed you to get a, a bit more extra food sometimes because you served yourself. People would just try to plop whatever they could on because they they basically limited it to it. You had an ice cream machine, you couldn't touch the ice cream machine. And that was the biggest thing. Like on a hot ass day, some ice cream would be amazing. But they made sure you didn't do that. So you're there quiet, you're standing and you're filtering in, you're walking through step by step. And you're supposed to be quiet. You're not supposed to talk. So at one point, one of the drill sergeants were on the line and he catches uh, people talking because it's like three different phases is white phase, blue phase and red phase. I can't remember what order they were in, but you go through that and basically you get a bit more um, freedom, I would say, as you progress, because basically you've completed certain things like you do the grenade range, you go to the firing range, they teach you how to shoot, you shoot. And you continue doing that stuff, but as you go, you, it, it's a bit more lenient. It's still disciplined, but you get more leniency going forward because it's like you're you're becoming a soldier now. So you got the stuff. You understand that, but you're not supposed to talk when you're on that chow line. So you're on the chow line, and he ran up and he was like, "Oh, so we having a conversation? What are we talking about? Oh, y'all don't want to say? No, it's okay. Go ahead. Just just go ahead. Keep talking." I was like, "Hey, everyone. So and so is having a conversation over here. Yeah." matter of fact y'all can all start talking go ahead i don't even care no more just everybody go go ahead start talking y'all want ice cream today you know what y'all can go get ice cream today too and everybody's like man they you they say that and it's just like it's your first time like being able to talk in the line so you start chatting up man. i tell you this and stuff like that and uh i was like oh you can get ice cream and it was just like we can get ice cream everybody's on that line getting ice cream because the thing is, is when you sit down as a child, when you sit down, you get 15 minutes or less, 10 minutes or less. Um, Some people got like five minutes at times. You need to eat your food and you're up and out, up and out, up and out. You sit down, boom, you're, you're destroying your food as, as quickly as possible. You get it up and you go. Because then after one point, because I think they gave, I think it was like 10 minutes at the point of or 15 minutes after the first person sat down or five minutes after the last person said that. I can't really remember exactly how they did it. Uh, But basically, you have to scarf your food down as quickly as possible. Man, you learned how to eat so fast. Like, you look like a kid that has never gotten food before. And you just sit down at a plane, you just destroy the thing, and the whole thing is gone within minutes. If you spoke, if they caught you talking, oh, you done eating. Boom, you up, and you got to throw away your food. Even if you ate or not, you had to get up and throw away your food. So basically, if you didn't eat because you decided to say something or somebody caught you saying something, you literally had to take your plate and go and you were on the move. And that was it. Um, There was no if ands, or buts about it. So we go back and after, man, everybody ate good. Everybody's just like, oh, we're we're stuffed now. We're good to go. And we go back and he's like, oh, so remember all them conversations y'all were having? And we're like, oh, shit. He was fucking with us. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't realize that till he smoked a dog shit out of us for like a good hour and a half, two hours or something. Just push-ups, sit-ups, the mountain climber, half jacks, uh, the eight-count push-up, uh, which the eight-count push-up, if y'all get the chance, just look it up. I, I can't even explain that. That thing is a workout, and trust me, he-, he smoked us that day. We smoked, he was like, okay, cool. So funny thing is, is someone made a complaint, one of the, one of the soldiers made a complaint about that drill sergeant smoking the dog shit out of us because it was people throwing up ice cream, throwing up food. Cause everybody decided it was like, Hey, he's letting us be, you know, let, get some freedom. Yeah. We're going to eat, we're going to get some good amount of food. We're going to get some ice cream, man. there was people throwing up all over the place. It was disgusting. That, that Bayful was disgusting afterwards. Uh, and somebody made a complaint about it. So I guess the first honor commander and he was like, okay, come the next day it's him again. He goes and he's like, he 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 calls everybody to attention and he's like, hey man, I want to say I apologize for what happened yesterday. I guess I was too harsh on y'all. I don't know if it was the day after or something like that. It was like, I was too hard on y'all and stuff like that. I want to apologize. So I was like, oh, we're going to make it up. We're going to, you know, we're going to go eat. You're going to get some ice cream. We're going to have, because the thing is, is by regulation, when you smoke somebody, you're only allowed to do that exercise for 10 repetitions. So basically, if he makes us do the push-up he can only make us do 10 push-ups we cannot do more than that we're not supposed to he can switch it to a different exercise but he's not supposed to do more than 10 of any exercise so that's where i referenced the eight count push-up so same thing went uh to the child hall went ate everybody ate good and stuff like that so everybody's like yeah he got in trouble so that's why he trying to be nice and that man didn't give <laughs> he gave no fucks when we got back after Chow, he smoked us again. But he kept it within the 10 repetitions. Because basically, he could only keep the repetitions. So, the eight-count push-up. I'll try to explain it. It's, it's eight counts. So, your first count, you're standing. Second count, you go into like a squatting position, like, like a frog position, basically. Third, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Damn, I forgot how to t- I forgot, to do it. it's been so long since I do it. But basically, you, sta- you, you start standing, you drop down, you get into the position, the push-up position, you do one, two, three, four, basically you do two push-ups. Hold on, I'm, I'm really forgetting how to do it right now. I'm going to have to get this to you, I have to get this to you. But it's an eight-count push-up, so you do that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And you do that all in motion, 7 and 8 being the position where you come back and you go up. So basically, the one two, one two is that 3, 4 is push-ups, 5, 6 is push-ups, 7, 8, you get up. There we go. So I got it. So basically, and then at the end of 8, you would say 1 because that's one repetition. So basically, it's like you're doing, you're dropping down, doing the two push-ups, getting back up. Standing up, one. Then the count starts over, one, two, three, and you go down, you do the two, and you get up. So he decided he was going to be within the regulation, but tweak it just a little. So basically, like I said, you count from one to eight, and then at the when you get to eight, the amount of repetitions, that's the number you say at the end. So what this man did was, he was like, oh, okay. Since I could only do 10 push-ups at each, We gonna do the eight count push-up. And everybody's like, eight count push-up. It's like, it's not too bad if you're doing 10 of them. But when you're doing that shit for a good 20, 30 minutes, your arms is dead. And literally he just went one, two. So one, two is getting down and kicking your legs out to be in a position of attention. So he did that for a bit. One, two, one, two. And we were like, oh shit, we see what he's doing. He's gonna keep on doing this variation Till he gets to one, and then he's going to say one. He was like, oh, don't worry. We only got nine more to go. And we were like, holy fucking shit. So, it was literally doing like uh leg kicks out, leg kicks out, front, back, front, back. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Then it was a three, four, three, four, and you're doing push-ups. Three, four, three, four, three, four, three, four, three, four, three, four. Let y'all rest for a bit. Five, six, five, six, five, six, five, six, four, three, four, and you're like, Jesus Christ, and he did that we got to smoke the dog shit out of uh, that's 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 the least I say, and I think I think if I have anybody on the on the on any of these episodes as a guest that was there, I know they remember that smoking because that's that's the one smoking I think everybody would not have forgotten that we all went through because each platoon had their own thing but that was one thing there so also one thing that went through um in basic training it was a different experience for me because i lost my brother while i was in basic training uh which was a difficult situation uh, i'm not, not entirely sure how i made it through basic or with the right state of mind but i think it was like on uh, a decision of myself to go through with it because uh like i would, like i tell people the experience is just like um it was one time while uh, we were at the chow at the child hall we went uh and we were there we spoke and one of the soldiers comes up to me and he's just like hey man um drill sergeants want to see you so whenever you hear a drill sergeant wants to see you you have to have a battle buddy because it's a battle buddy system in the military where you always have somebody with you wherever you're going somebody is always with you you will not be caught anywhere by yourself during basic training, if they still do that, I'm not sure. I'm gonna need to confirm that. I need to ask questions of these newer uh, soldiers, uh, see if they still do that. But the buddy, battle buddy, they were with you, so I get told that, and I'm like, okay. I was like, hey, you want to come in me? He was like, uh, no, you don't need anybody. So like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> That's the first thing that pops in your mind. Like, what did somebody else do, or what did I do that they need to talk to me by myself? And I'm like, ah, uh, shit. So I go with my tray, I have my tray, I go, I walk over to the table, and I'm at parade rest, the position of parade rest, like, to be addressed by, he said, no, man, just have a, have a seat. I'm like, hold on, there's nothing but fucking drill sergeants here, and I'm gonna sit with the drill sergeants, I'm like, this cannot be good. So I sit down, and Jusson is like, hey, um, sorry about what, what happened, stuff like that, I was just like, "Um, I'm like, sorry about what? He's like, huh? i'm like yeah what what are you sorry about what are you talking about and that that, like it was like more i was like i wasn't like in the mentality of the military at that point because he was just talking to me like a regular person i'm like they never did that they did do that like my drill sergeants did talk to us like regular people because we had like little sessions and stuff where they would just like sit down and be like hey ask me questions and we would just ask questions and they would just answer us to give us like whatever you know we we had in mind or wanted to know uh so we go from there um he's just like oh oh my, my never mind forget about it I'm, I'm sorry i'm like and i'm so confused because he's just like he like stops in his tracks like oh shit he doesn't know i'm like fuck he's like oh we, we got to take you to first sergeant i was like you done eating i was like yeah and then so i'm being taken to the first sergeant's office which you don't you don't see the first sergeant you don't talk to the first sergeant you don't even look that way, that man's way so they take me into the office and i'm in the office and i basically get First sergeant is there with his phone, and he hands me the phone, and I'm like confused. And then it's just like, uh, it's just my mom crying on the phone, and she's just like crying hysterically, um, and she's just like, "Yeah, they, they found your brother dead." And I really didn't know how to process that at the time because it was just like I was so into like basically my mindset had went from I I fucked up by joining this. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? to, you know what, I can do this. My mentality has switched to that point where it's just like, you know what, I can do this, I can complete this. Uh, and then you just get hit with that news. And it became difficult to understand that and, and see that cause it was just like, I, I, I didn't know what to do, how to react, like what what be. it be? It was just very, a very dark day. um, Cause they basically told me it's like, hey man, um, if you want to go back to the funeral you can go back uh, for a couple of days just go for the thing uh we won't um recycle you because usually if you if you missed a couple of days or certain trainings they would recycle you and you would start the whole process over with a whole nother thing so they basically were like hey man don't don't worry um we'll try to get you into like another company like because i think it was like the i don't know if it was the grenade launch or something like that it was something important like something that you have to do to graduate and it was like yeah you'll do this if you can't if you can't make it back on time or if you're not here on time we'll make sure to get you into another thing so you don't restart the whole thing uh because i was doing i was doing pretty good i was one of the one of the leaders i guess you could say because i was old I, I knew stuff and i i was able to teach people and mentor people um that were just like young young kids like i said they were kids um me being a older adult that has some life experience it allowed me to do that So, uh, it was just a different experience with that. And then knowing that I made the decision not to go back home and not to go to the funeral, uh, cause I knew my mentality was not gonna tolerate it. I knew that if I had decided to go back home and witness my family crying and the, the loss of my brother, seeing my brother, it would have torn down that. Strength I built being in the in the thing, so I decided to decline off after that. And then after that, I was basically put on suicide watch. Not not for me, not for me. It was for another soldier. But I think what they did was it was like they said it was suicide watch, but I think it was so that the other soldier watched me, not because I was suicidal, but just because it's it's a very it's a very tough spot to lose somebody and not be there not be there for your family not be there for for that for that moment to you know lay your brother to rest and stuff like like that it's a a very tough moment um and it was difficult for me and i think that's why they they said the guy was on suicide watch so they had me watch him but i think he was like watching me because we had a conversation i'm like bro this dude ain't trying to kill himself i'm like i've been around people that have been suicidal and this dude is not he's out the faking it because he wants to get out the army cause some people did do that just to get out the army they they played the suicide card to like get out like oh i'm suicidal or mental or uh, like how some soldiers don't even make it through basic training but they end up with uh post traumatic stress disorder that's a whole another conversation we'll we'll get to that on another point um but yeah i think it was him just watching me to make sure like okay are you good are you doing okay kind of thing and then i just went through basic training the rest of the way and it was just like i i put my all into it to forget the loss because it was a it was a tough period to that that next week it was it was tough because it was just like trying to concentrate on being a soldier and becoming a soldier and then dealing with the other portion of it, which is just your, your head spinning with all these questions, family, you know, and how they're doing and, and stuff like that. Um, and then not having phone calls. Like I said, you got two phone calls. That was basically the third phone call I got, but it was for emergency reasons. Uh, otherwise you don't get those phone calls. I would have never gotten that middle phone call, but since it was like, a it was like a red cross message, basically, uh, basically saying like my brother had passed and that's the only way that you communicate. Uh, basically with soldiers like me being out here in Germany if there was something that happened to my family it would be a Red cross message which is the Red Cross sending the information here and you usually get like emergency leave um and it usually gets paid for for you to go back when it's an emergency situation like that but yeah uh that that influenced me to become better and more dedicated to becoming a soldier and I went through it and I ended up being uh, the soldier leader of the cycle, uh, which is basically from our whole company of a hundred plus people. I ended up being, uh, designated the leadership award, I guess, cause I led people, uh, I've always been, I say decent at leading, I'm not gonna say great. Cause I believe I'm, I'm been great at leading in certain scenarios, but I've been decent at it. Um, I've mentored a lot. And I did that through basic training because it was just like, like I said, it was dealing with kids. Some some kids didn't have that situation and stuff like that. Uh, so they didn't know any better. They didn't realize that they didn't see what was going on. But that that would be the best way of explaining that. But yeah, ended up graduating soldier leader of the cycle. And then from there, uh, I, was a, I was a soldier. PFC, private first class crews uh and then from there the story begins in fort riley kansas good old manhattan ogden junction city in the middle of kansas but yeah so this will conclude episode one which is the introduction uh basically of the cruise talks of the military and of vast topics we will conclude it by saying uh we are on youtube we will be on spotify google podcast amazon podcast apple podcast Uh, and we'll just be pushing forward with this and i hope to see you for the next episode this concludes the episode we'll check you out the next time appreciate you